Our Christmases used to be really hectic. Our four kids would all be home with their spouses and kids. And I have a picture that I took in our entryway one year. And there was like 15 or more pairs of shoes that were just kind of strewn all over the place. And people were sleeping everywhere there was room to sleep. Uh, we had kids in the closets and people just kind of wherever. Uh, one year we borrowed a motorhome from some friends and four of the adults slept out there. And there would only be one, maybe two days when everybody was there uh, with work and school and, and all. And it was great and I really miss those days. And it would be much larger now with more grandchildren. There'd be probably 24 of us or so. This Christmas, it was just Diane and I. Uh, the, the day after Christmas, we were all together with our three sons and their families and had dinner. Uh, but things change over the years. Some things change for the good and some not so good. And we're a much mobile, more mobile society than we were when I was growing up. Families were closer uh, geographically and otherwise. And we have a picture of a large tree hanging in our living room. And the title on it is Family. It says, Our family is like the branches of a tree. We may grow in different directions, yet our roots remain as one. And I'll hope that that continues to be true in our family and pray that it's true for your family as well. So let's pray. Father, we give you thanks for family and the important part that they play in our lives. And Lord, sometimes we may butt heads and want to go in different directions, but when it comes down to it, Lord, you draw us close together. So, Lord, as we look at your message today, Father, help us to see how important it is to have uh, one part of our families that's more important than anything else. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, 2021 is almost over. Praise the Lord. For many, 2021 was better than 2020. For some, it was worse. And whichever, it's almost history. <clears throat> Excuse me. A year ago, we thought for sure that COVID would come to an end in 2021. But it just took on different forms, different names, variants of this kind or that kind. Early in the year, we thought the end was in sight because there was a vaccination. Then came vaccination two and vaccination three, and then a booster. And we're finding that people that get vaccinated are still getting COVID. So... There's more variants and will probably continue to be more. But without getting political, I've had enough. Okay, people still get sick from the flu and pneumonia, and that's just going to happen. And maybe COVID is just going to be one of those things that's just going to continue to happen. But it's time to move on, take off the masks and the mandates and live. Uh, I know some of you may think I'm being rather hard-hearted in that, but we know that it tells us in Psalm 139.16, Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. 
So our death's not going to be a surprise to the Lord. It may come as a shock to us and those around us, but God had it all in writing before we were born. That's why we need to be ready, not just having our affairs in order, but having our eternity planned. And I think it's really great that we get to make that choice. So I want to talk about the most important gift. Okay, some of you still may be having gifts and giving gifts uh, as Christmases maybe get pushed further back for you. <coughs> Excuse me. But the most important gift is something that we need to know about. Now, those of you that have a personal relationship with Jesus already know this. But I'll just ask you to be patient with someone that's listening that doesn't have that assurance. You know, we've been singing songs about the birth of Jesus, away in the manger, the silent night, and no coming, all you faithful, and the little town of Bethlehem. And they all speak of his birth, which probably did not happen on December 25th. There are many thoughts of why that date is used. Uh, the first time it was used, was in 336. Uh, Constantine was the first Christian Roman emperor. <clears throat> Excuse me. And you can look online and see why people think it's December 25th. The most important thing is we celebrate his birthday. It's one of the four important days for a believer. Christmas, Good Friday, Easter, and Pentecost. Now, Jesus being born the way he was, was prophesied many times through the Old Testament. He had to be born of a virgin, Isaiah 7.14. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. And in Matthew 1, when the angel came to Joseph in a dream, he was told this in verse 23. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. So why was it important that Jesus was born in Bethlehem? Why couldn't he have been born in Joseph's town of Nazareth? Well, that's another prophecy. Okay. In Micah, excuse me, 5.2, it says, But you... Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will rule over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. Okay, so <clears throat> I'm trying to put this all together for you if you don't know. And this happened because of what we're told in Luke chapter 2, beginning in the first verse. In those days, Caesar Augustus, Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. 
So God got Mary where she needed to be for the birth of his son. So that's why it was important that Mary was to be married to Joseph. Okay, if she had gotten married to Bartholomew, he maybe wasn't part of the line of David. And when this uh, census came, he would not have to go to Bethlehem. So it was important that uh, a man that was in the line of David was to be her husband. So in Luke 2, we're told this in verse 21. On the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise the child, Jesus, he was named Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he was conceived. Okay, so that had to happen, okay? It wasn't a, a family name, probably. Uh, there was a lot of people named Jesus around at that time, so it's not like the Jesus that we know was the only one. Staying in Luke 2, we're told more about how we know that Jesus is the Savior. Okay, in Luke 2, 22, it says, When the time came for purification rites required by the law of Moses, <coughs> excuse me, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what was said in the law of the Lord. A pair of doves or two young pigeons. This, excuse me, the time came for the purification rites after 40 days. Okay, so... Some people think that James and Jude, Jesus' half-brothers, were Joseph's sons before he married Mary. He had been married before and had had children by another wife. But this proves that untrue because Jesus was the firstborn, as it says, uh, so we can put that away that um, even though James, Jude, and any other brothers were only half-brothers because Joseph was not the father of Jesus. Okay, continuing in verse 25. <clears throat> now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went to the temple courts. When the parents brought the child Jesus to him to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, you have promised, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles 
and the glory of your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what had been said about him. Then the Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, This child is destined to cause a falling and rising of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be spoken against, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. Well, okay, when our children are born and people, you know, look at our little babies and they'll say, oh, isn't he cute or she cute? And they'll say, oh, he looks just like his brother. Or, you know, he's got so much hair or isn't he so chubby? You know, and, you know, we like to hear those things. And as wonderful as our children are and the miracles that they are, they certainly didn't receive a blessing like Jesus did uh, from someone that they did, <coughs> excuse me, someone that they didn't even know, but that God had put there because it says that he was moved by the Holy Spirit to go to the temple that day. And so he received a blessing like no other baby had ever received. But Luke 2 tells us that there was even more that was to happen in verses 36 to 38. It says, There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Penuel, in the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She lived with her husband seven years after marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple but worshipped day and night fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. Okay, you know, I used to wonder about this that she never left the temple. Well, in the temple, there were these side rooms that people could stay in. And that's where it talks about her never leaving the temple. She was always there, uh, like it says, fasting and praying, waiting for the Messiah. Well, John's gospel doesn't tell us about the birth of Jesus, but it does tell us this right in the beginning, starting in John 1, 1. It says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And then continuing in verse 14, it says, The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory and the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Okay, what about this word stuff? Okay, this is in the beginning was the word. Okay, that's talking about Jesus. Okay, you could put Jesus' name in there when it says word. You could, in the beginning was Jesus, and Jesus was with God, and Jesus was God. And... Uh, 
that Jesus became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Okay, because that's really what it's telling us, that Jesus is the word. He was there at creation and I believe knew, you know, forever that he was going to be coming to earth at some time. So further on in, in chapter, or excuse me, in Luke, in chapter 2, we're told about Jesus as a 12-year-old. And it says that he stayed behind in Jerusalem after they had gone there for Passover. Okay, and so Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, and whatever other children there were, had gone to Jerusalem for the Passover feast, and Jesus stayed behind. Okay, Joseph and Mary, they couldn't find him. Okay, after the first day, they thought that he was with some of his friends, some other family members, whatever, but they searched for him, they couldn't get him. So they turned around and they went back to Jerusalem trying to find Jesus. And when they couldn't find him, you know, they kept looking and they went to the temple and there he was. Listen to verses 48 to 50. It says, When his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Jesus' answer, Why were you searching for me? He asked. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he was saying to them. Okay, Jesus, a 12-year-old boy, goes to the temple and starts teaching the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the priests and the Levites and anybody else who happened to be there. And it tells us that they were amazed at the teachings that this boy had. Well, all four Gospels speak of Jesus' baptism. You know, he's a, a man now, approximately 30 years old. And it speaks about the Holy Spirit coming on Jesus. Matthew, Mark, and Luke tell us of Jesus going into the wilderness for 40 days and being tested by the devil. Uh, I think it's Mark that says he was tested constantly for those 40 days. And others uh, say that at the end of 40 days, uh, the devil came to test him. So... Whichever. Well, John tells us the first recorded miracle of Jesus. In chapter 2, the first 11 verses, Jesus and his disciples, they had gone to a wedding in Cana in Galilee. And Mary was there too. And it says they ran out of wine. And Mary pointed this out to Jesus. And in verses 4 and 5, it tells us this. Jesus says, Woman, why do you involve me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. She knew he would be an obedient son. But this makes me wonder. Had Jesus done other miracles before this that weren't recorded? Why would his mother have expected Jesus to do anything about this if she wasn't aware that Jesus was able to perform miracles of some kind? Unless 
the Lord spoke to her through the Holy Spirit and told her what to do about the lack of wine and to involve Jesus. And so maybe God was prompting Jesus to say, no, your time has come. Okay, you think it hasn't, but it really has. And so you need to do this in front of other people so people can get to see who you are. Well, the Gospels go on to tell us about the choosing of the 12 disciples. There was two sets of brothers, uh, Peter and Andrew. They were fishermen. And James and John were also fishermen, believed to have been working with Peter and Andrew. Um, <clears throat> James and John were known as the Sons of Thunder. Uh, there was Philip, Nathaniel, who was also called Bartholomew, Matthew, the tax collector, Thomas, uh, also known as Didymus, which means the twin, so we can assume that he had a twin. Um, he was also known as being a doubter. And then there's James the Less. How'd you like to have that tag to you? You know, I'm Donald the Less. You know, or I'm Fred the Less, or whoever. Uh, and there was Simon the Zealot, who was a political activist. Okay, and so he was one of these people that, you know, kind of stirred up trouble, uh, believing that, you know, it was time to overthrow the Roman government. And then there was a pair of Judases, uh, Judas, uh, known as Jude or Thaddeus, and then Judas Iscariot, the traitor. They're all pretty much ordinary people, like you and I. Uh, had normal jobs at that time. And, you know, we don't know what uh, some of these men did do. Uh, about half of them we do and the rest we don't. But they weren't the people that probably you and I would have chosen for disciples. Okay, we'd have gone and found some uh, theology uh, students or whoever, you know, somebody that had been to Bible school. But Jesus picked just ordinary people. So the four Gospels go on to tell us a few of the many miracles that Jesus performed. The synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, uh, sometimes tell different versions of the same miracle. So I'm going to kind of skip around and, and give you a few of those miracles. Uh, each one being different from the others. In Luke chapter 5, verses 12 and 13, it says, While Jesus was in one of the towns, a man came along who had suffered from leprosy. When he saw Jesus, he fell with his face to the ground and begged him, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, be clean. And immediately, the leprosy left him. Okay, if you're not familiar with leprosy, it's a skin disease uh, that kind of just rots you away. You lose feeling in your extremities. Uh, you know, fingers fall off and you could not live with uh, the regular population. Lepers were, you know, cast out of town 
And if you were to come in contact with other people, you had to holler out, you know, unclean, unclean. So people knew to stay away from you. Okay, then let's go to Matthew chapter 8, verses 14 and 15. It says, When Jesus came to Peter's house, he saw Peter's mother-in-law lying in bed with a fever. He touched her hand, and the fever left her, and she got up and began to wait on him. Okay, so these two miracles were just a touch from Jesus' hand. Okay, staying in Matthew chapter 9, beginning in verse 20, it says, Just then, a woman who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years came up behind Jesus and touched the edge of his cloak. She said to herself, If I only touch his cloak, I will be healed. Jesus turned and saw her. Take heart, daughter. Your faith has healed you. And the woman was healed at that moment. Okay? It wasn't the touch of the robe or his cloak. It was the faith that she had and, you know, believing that if she did that, that she would be healed. And that's what Jesus said, you know, oh, you touched my cloak, so you're healed. He says, no, it was your faith that's healed you. Okay, then going to Luke, again, chapter 9. It says, a man called out from the crowd, teacher, I beg you to look at my son, for he is my only child. A spirit seizes him and he suddenly screams. It throws him into convulsions so that he foams at the mouth. It scarcely leaves him and it is destroying him. I begged your disciples to drive it out, but they could not. You unbelieving and perverse generation, Jesus replied. How long shall I stay with you and put up with you? Bring your son here. Even while the boy was coming, the demon threw him to the ground in a convulsion. But Jesus rebuked the impure spirit, healed the boy, and gave him back to his father. And they were all amazed at the greatness of God. Okay, this spirit, you know, there's several other times where it talks about, you know, people being possessed by a spirit of some kind. And Jesus, you know, it doesn't tell us what Jesus did, other than just rebuking the spirit. It doesn't say that he touched the boy or, or did anything else, but just rebuking the spirit. In Mark 8, beginning in verse 22, it says, They came to Bethsaida, and some of the people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. He took the blind man by the hand and led him outside the village. Then he had spit on the man's eyes and put his hand on him. Jesus asked, do you see anything? He looked at him and said, I see people and they look like trees walking around. Once more, Jesus put his hand on the man's eyes. Then his eyes were opened, his sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. Jesus sent him home saying, don't even go into the village. Okay, now this is another one I used to think, well, you know, how does this guy know what trees look like and what people look like? Well, in that last verse, it says his sight was restored. So at some point, he must have been able to see. You know, maybe over time, uh, he'd become blind or maybe through an accident or illness of some kind, he became blind. But his sight was restored. 
Okay, in Luke chapter 7, it says, Jesus went to a town called Nain, and his disciples and a large crowd went along with him. And as he approached the town gate, a dead person was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. Now, let me stop here and tell you, this is important because the son was going to be the one that would support his mother, okay? There was no husband, there were no other children, and so she was losing her only means of support. Okay, to go on, it says, A large crowd from the town was with her. When the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her, and he said, Don't cry. Then he went up and touched the buyer. They were carrying him on, and the bearers stood still. He said, Young man, I say to you, get up. The dead man sat up and began to talk, and Jesus gave him back to his mother. John finishes his gospel like this in chapter 21, verse 25. He said, Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. Okay, so the Gospels give us just a sprinkling, just a handful of the miracles that were performed. And, you know, we don't need to read every time Jesus cast out a demon. We don't need to be informed of every time the blind had their sight restored or the crippled were able to walk. You know, it just tells us these things. And then I like the way John wraps that up. You know, he did many other things as well. So what else did Jesus do? Well, Jesus has lived his life as an example for us. Okay, I believe that's one reason why he came and lived 33 years approximately. And he, he faced all of the, the sin that there was out there at that time. And he did not sin. And so he lived his life as an example. And he came as a, the poor man living in a poor family uh, to let us know that, you know, you don't have to be born in castles with piles of money. Then, you know, Jesus wanted to be like one of the multitude, not be one of the few. But not only did Jesus live his life as a example for us. He lived his life as the the sacrificial lamb that was needed. Okay, in, the, in Jewish religion, you know, they would sacrifice a lamb that would take the, the sins of the people. And that's who Jesus became. <coughs> Excuse me. Was that perfect sacrificial lamb. If Jesus had sinned, he would not be the perfect lamb. Okay, but he was because he was perfect, without spot, without blemish, just like the lambs had to be that the Jews used in their sacrifices. And so he he went to the cross for our sins. Now you need to understand, you know, just what all of that meant, because he he was beaten, you know, he was whipped with whips and you know not just a, a plain leather whip 
you know, in these whips, I had pieces of bone and metal. And so it would dig into your skin. And, you know, it would dig into the skin and then they'd rip it away, ripping away uh, part of the flesh. And so he was beaten. Uh, he had been hit several times in the face, his beard pulled out, uh, to spit on. And then they made him carry his own cross for the crucifixion. And, you know, he had probably lost half of his blood by this point and was weak, but that didn't matter. Okay, so he's taking his cross and gets there and he's stripped naked and <clears throat> nailed to the cross. We talk about his hands and feet, but probably wasn't his hands more of in his wrist where the nail went through. Uh, because if it was just through the palm of his hand, just the weight of his body probably would have ripped through that. And so it was through the wrist to be able to secure him to the cross uh, and through his feet. And the way they, they would do it, his body would kind of slump down. And so that would cause his lungs to be pressed together. So the only way that he could take a breath would be to push himself up on that nail in his foot or his feet uh, to be able to get a breath and then to go back down and to continually do this. And so the pain just continued. And then he died. And they were surprised that he was already dead because it was a Passover uh, the Jews didn't want the bodies to still be on the cross. So Jesus was cru crucified between two other men that were rightly crucified by their law. And so those two men were still alive, and so their legs were broken. So they wouldn't be able to push themselves up, and they would suffocate. And when they got to Jesus, they saw that he was already dead. So they didn't break his legs but instead, they had to do something. So one of the uh, guards, soldiers, took a spear and got him in the side to just, you know, let's just make sure that he's dead. So then they put him in a tomb. Not his tomb. He had no tomb. Uh, it was a, a borrowed tomb that had never been used and rolled a stone over the opening. And uh, I believe it's Matthew that tells us that a guard was put on there, that there was a seal put on the, the stone, and, a, and guards were there. And so they figured, you know, he's dead, this is the end of it. But they didn't want his disciples coming to take his body because Jesus had said in three days, you know, I'm going to rebuild this temple. And so they weren't sure what he was talking about, but they knew that they didn't want the disciples to take his body and be gone in those three days. And they'd say, you know, well, look, just like Jesus said. So all of this had to happen for you and I. But the three days came and Jesus was no longer there. He had risen from the dead. He was seen by the women. He was seen by the disciples. He was seen by many others. He was seen on the, the road to Emmaus by two men. He was, you know, 
uh, still performing miracles. And when he left, he said, I'm coming back. You just need to be ready. And there's only one way to be ready. And that's that you believe everything that I gave you in this podcast. Know that Jesus died for your sins and he rose from the dead. Let's pray. Father, I just give you thanks for the death and resurrection of your son, Jesus Christ. I don't deserve it. Nobody does. But Father, Jesus came to earth to do it anyways. So Lord, help us to know that that's what we need to believe, that Jesus is who you tell us he is, that he is the most important gift that we will ever receive, and you were the only one that could give it. So Father, we thank you and praise you. So if there's someone that's listening that hasn't believed this in the past, but today they come to a, a a belief in this, Lord, let them pray like this. Dear Heavenly Father, I know I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. Thank you for sending Jesus, the only Savior. Help me to to believe, help me to grow, and help me to follow your word. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.